Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 64 of the Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. This week we're going to be continuing with the eyeball. My name is Brian Wallace. I'm the host and creator here at Physician Assistant Exam Review. Uh, you can find all the show notes, everything you need over on the website, www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. Fortunately, over there, you can also sign up for the email list. Uh, I've been getting some amazing feedback this week about the the email list and how much value uh, people are getting from it. So definitely go check that out. The other thing I'm getting a ton of feedback on, particularly this week and this month, is the newsletter. The newsletter has been the uh, cornerstone of what I do here for the past two years. I'm actually on episode, uh, issue 24 of the monthly newsletter that I write and put out. And that is a mail, uh, print mailed out uh, newsletter, which is a great format, I think, because everything's so uh, digitized these days. I think it's a really good way to get your hands on it, uh, feel it, really dive into it, really feel the pages and, and spend some time going through that material uh, in a way that you just don't get uh, in a PDF kind of format. So anyway, that's only available in a print format and it goes out, uh, it gets sent over to the printer on the first of every month. And and then it gets printed up and shipped right out to you. And and like I said, the feedback recently has really just been through the roof. I've been covering last month for the February issue, I did a, a deeper dive into test taking and, and some things you could do there and how to really up your game dramatically uh, and not do any more studying, just how to approach the exams. And I've gotten some unbelievable feedback there. People who have scored higher than they've ever scored, uh, people who had who had never thought of the ideas that I presented there and just have been smashing it since. And we'll be able to carry that information with them forward through you know their entire test-taking careers, which is the best part of that stuff. If you learn test-taking, if you learn study skills, if you learn uh, all of those things, you get to keep those, right? It's not like learning the Krebs cycle is the one I always joke about that I have to relearn every, two, every, every couple of years because there's just no, uh, I have no recollection of it. So... That's the kind of thing that we're talking about here today. That's the kind of thing that I mean. What you need to do, uh, so, so anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> my equipment just kind of went funny on me, so I'm, I lost my train of thought. <clears throat> so anyway, this month with the newsletter, what I'm doing, the March issue, which goes out, uh, I think you can get it, this is a leap year, so you get till Saturday to order that, and it goes out, I'll send it out on Sunday. The March issue is all about how to avoid getting stuck in the weeds. One of the things I get ca called on the most about, get emailed the most about, is you're pressed for time and you don't know how to get through the material. Well, that's exactly what I'm covering in the March issue. So you definitely want to get your hands on that. Um, I've got some radical ideas for you, as you can imagine, of ways that I do things that are much, much different from how everyone else does things and how everyone else recommends. And they have made it so that I have been able to pass my exams for ease with years. I don't mean ease. I mean, I still have to work really hard, but it makes it so much easier. Uh, for example, when I just retook my pee, my pants, I only studied for 10 days. Um, and that's not bragging. That has to do with the style in which I studied. That's not because I'm super smart or I have this giant brain or I do this show. So I memorize these things. Uh, and that's absolutely not the case. Ask anybody who knows me. Um, my memory actually is not, is not the best. It's actually it's not something I pride myself on. I have to go back and relearn all this stuff just like everybody else. 
But the ways that I do it, the things I choose to focus on, the way I choose to focus is what allows me to get it done uh, quicker, faster, and better than most people, to be quite frank. And that's what I'm uh, going to share with you uh, in the newsletter for the what is it, the March edition. So that's also the 24th edition of the newsletter. So I'm very excited about that. I'm not the 24th edition, the, the two-year anniversary. So super excited about that. I've got some fun things coming to people who are uh, members when that issue goes out. Anyway, that's not what you showed up here for necessarily. Hopefully it is because that's really uh, a whole nother level of important material. But what I want to cover today is the eyeball. We're going to continue with the eye going through this material. And hopefully you've been able to follow along so far. I just had somebody email me about... Uh, OB and and the OB podcast and how much they got out of it because they were really struggling with the lectures that they were having in school. So I'm really excited about that. And I want to continue that right here with with the eye. So let's start with our priming questions. Optic neuritis is the number one presenting sign of what disease? Optic neuritis is the number one presenting sign of what disease? Number two, what is the hallmark symptom of retinal detachment? What is the hallmark symptom of retinal detachment? What area of vision is lost in macular degeneration? What area of vision is lost in macular degeneration? All right, now that you've had a moment to think those through, let's move on to our topics for today and keep an ear out for the questions we discovered and see if you can nail them as we go. Like I said, this show is always about paying attention, being on your toes. It is not a passive action to sit here and listen to this. Uh, Please don't put it under your pillow while you fall asleep at night. That is not what we do here Uh, and not what I recommend. What I recommend is active listening and participating. So trying to think about what comes next, trying to think about what happens next, trying to think about the treatments and the causes and the effects and why all those things happen. and, And hopefully this show is a review. You're not learning this stuff for the first time. So you should be able to pull up some of the material, not much in your head maybe, depending on where you're at, but some of it. All right, so we're going to start with neuroophthalmologic disorders. Uh, Nystagmus is number one. This is an involuntary rhythmic eye movement, an involuntary rhythmic eye movement. The patient is usually unaware that it's happening, but could possibly have blurred vision just because the eyes are moving. Causes can be a congenital neurological problem. They could have trauma. They could have a stroke. Multiple sclerosis can cause this uh, inner ear inflammation. Alcohol can cause this, sudden head movements can cause this, and the kind of thing like looking out a train window as things are going by, uh, people can get this. It also can be kind of normal. Uh, I had a friend of mine in school who would do it when she turned her head quick, uh, like that, that sudden head movement part. She would turn her head to look at you, and her eyes would give you a couple of beats of nystagmus, uh, a little horizontal nystagmus. And my wife will actually do that from time to time just a little bit. And again, I don't think these people notice it at all. I don't think it's something that they see or notice, and I don't think it's a real problem. It's just something to be aware of. Clinical presentation, they can get dizziness or vertigo. They can get nausea or vomiting. Again, just think about the way the eyes are moving, and you can retain some of that. You don't actually have to memorize that too much. The other presenting signs are obviously the involuntary rhythmic eye movement, up and down, side to side, or rotary. Labs and studies, really, this is a clinical diagnosis. You do it with an eye exam. And then if you're suspicious, there's a secondary cause. Uh, You can get an MRI or a CT to check for a mass. Treatment is going to be observation. Um, I did find where they can use gabapentin, but unlikely. Glasses or contacts may help improve overall vision. And then there are surgical corrections. Optic neuritis is our next one. This is an inflammation of the optic nerve, right? Pretty straightforward stuff. Usually this is unilateral, and it most commonly occurs in 20 to 40-year-olds. 
that's helpful in your vignettes, right? Autoimmune is the number one reason for this, and this is actually the number one presenting sign for multiple sclerosis. Scleroderma is another possibility, and lupus is another possibility. You can get a fungal infection that can cause this. Bacterial infections can cause it. Things like Lyme, TB, and syphilis. Viral infections can cause this, like herpes, mumps, uh, rubella, Epstein-Barr. And a vitamin B deficiency can also cause optic neuritis. How do people present? It's acute vision loss or acute blurred vision. A loss of color vision. That's kind of a key one because in other places the color vision doesn't go away. Pain often occurring before visual symptoms. Pain with eye movement, right? So pain with before visual symptoms is kind of, to me, something that stands out. Um, and when you look at an inflammation optic neuritis, you look at an inflamed nerve, the thing that, that kicks off in my head and one of the ways that I do this is I think like herpes zoster, right? Like shingles, you get the pain before the symptoms present. I'm not the symptoms, pain is a symptom. You get the pain before the rash presents, right? You get the pain before the visual effects occur. Um, and not to say that it's because it's a virus, but to say it's a, it's a nerve kind of pain. So uh, to me, I can link those a little bit in my head and that'll help me to remember them. Labs and studies, you can do a visual acuity test. Acuity here will be decreased. Color vision test, the loss of color vision, we talked about that a second ago. MRI of the brain may show optic neuritis and may also help diagnose uh, multiple sclerosis. Am I going to stammer over that every time? It's, it's entirely possible. Treatment. Treat the underlying cause. So we talked about some of the causes just a second ago. If you can treat some of these autoimmune issues, if you can treat bacterial infections, you're going to take care of those. Observation, uh, without any underlying disease, most cases will resolve on their own, uh, usually within about three months. Just need to update my notes there, sorry. Uh, IVH steroids may be useful if it's really bad. The next one on our list is papilledema. This is a swelling of the optic disc secondary to increased intracranial pressure. It's a very specific definition. Secondary to increased intracranial pressure. Causes encephalitis, meningitis, brain tumor, brain abscess, and hemorrhage. Things that cause an increase in pressure in the skull, right? Those can cause papilledema. Clinical presentation, nausea, vomiting, headache. Vision may have any of the following, which, which would be uh, normal flickering, double vision, or blurred vision. Lab studies and physical exam findings. You're going to see a swollen optic disc. Increased size of a blind spot. An MRI or CT needs to be done immediately uh, because, again, this is in relation to increased intracranial pressure. Lumbar puncture, once a brain mass has been ruled out, may also be helpful. And here you're going to treat the underlying cause of the increased intracranial pressure, right? You're not going to treat the eyeball because that's not really our problem. Our problem is the intracranial pressure, so you're going to treat that, whatever is causing that issue. Orbital disorders. So now we're talking about the area around the eyeball and infection of the eyelid and skin around the eye. And this is more common in children than in adults. Causes here include things like strep pneumonia, staph aureus, haemophilus influenza, and often orbital cellulitis is secondary to a chronic sinus infection or a dental infection, right? Everything's really close and jammed in right there with little teeny bones separating spaces. So uh, infections can move between spaces. And I don't want to say easily, but they certainly can and something to be aware of. Clinical presentation, painful swelling of the eyelid and tissue around the eye. 
You're going to get vision problems, eye pain with motion, purulent discharge, fever, lethargy, shiny red eyelids, difficult opening the eyeball. Lab studies and physical exam findings. All right, so you're going to get a CBC. You're going to get a blood culture, gram scene, culture of discharge, antibiotic. Um, you're going to check for antibiotic sensitivities. I could probably take that out of the notes since that's kind of an obvious thing. You might want to get an X-ray of the sinuses and a CT of the MRI or CT or MRI of the sinuses as well, because again, this can often start with a sinus infection. This can be kind of serious. So patients will usually be admitted with IV antibiotic therapy, and that's going to start with something that's going to cover staph, strep, and uh, H flu, something like vancomycin, ceftriaxone, uh, mepenem, things like that. And then a surgical intervention may be necessary if you have something like an abscess developing. All right. Moving right along today. Retinal disorders. So disorders of the retina. Number one, we have retinal detachment. And if you remember from our priming questions, we had a question about retinal detachment. So listen up. <laughs> Risk factors include myop myopia, which is nearsighted. So I can see things close, but I can't see things far. Previous cataract surgery, history of cataract surgery, trauma, and a family history of retinal uh, detachment. Clinical presentation. Uh, sudden vision loss. And this is like a curtain coming down. Right, So this, the vision goes away, but not starting in the middle. It's almost like a, a curtain coming down over the eye, and this is painless. It's sudden, like a curtain coming down, and painless. You do a fundoscopic exam, and the retina may appear to be hanging. And you get an asymmetric red reflex. Treatment. You're going to send this patient out. You are not going to be treating this patient in your office. You're going to refer them. Use gravity, but in the meantime, you can use gravity in an attempt to keep the retina in place. So what that means, and I've seen test questions on this, uh, a patient lays supine and turn the head toward the symptomatic side, toward the symptomatic side. And that's in an effort to keep the retina from falling further. They may require surgery, and most uncomplicated cases do well. So this is one of the areas where people will write into me and say, hey, you don't cover enough on treatments, you don't do enough, um, not, not, not meanly, I don't mean to come across that way, but they'll say, can you cover a little bit more here or there? And the answer is no, <laughs> I don't, I really don't want to. Um, to me, the answer choice is here. Uh, we're not, I'm not covering this material as if you're going to be treating this in the office. That's not what we do here. This is a review for your exam. Your exam is never going to have you describe the surgery to repair a retinal detachment. So we're not going to do that here. It's just not necessary. It takes up extra time. I talked before about people, one of the things that can keep us out of the weeds uh, and what I cover in the March issue is deciding what things are important and what things aren't important. So going any further into the treatment of retinal detachments would be a complete and total waste of time. The answer is refer the patient. You might want to know a little bit about what you do while the patient's laying in your office and they can't see and they come in describing that uh, that vision loss, sudden vision loss with a curtain coming down kind of appearance. Well, what you might do while you're on the phone with the ophthalmologist is have the patient lie down and turn their head toward the symptomatic side. But that's it. You're done at that point, right? So um, going deeper into that doesn't help us and just confuses things and takes up more time. And again, I go into a lot more into detail on all of that in the March issue and how we cover that of the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars newsletter. Retinopathies next. So this is damage to the retina, retinopathy. Causes here are mainly stuff like diabetes. So years and years and years of having diabetes with high glucose levels is a killer. 
and this will cause blindness long term, but in the short term, we get some retinopathy. Hypertension can do the same thing. Depends on the level of hypertension and how long. Radiation damage can cause retinopathy. So this is pain usually 6 to 12 hours after exposure. So what I want you to think about here is it's, you got sunburn in your eye, right? You're out. Uh, skiing is a good place for this to happen because people don't ever think about because it's cold out. Um, so you're out in the white snow and you get sunburn on your retinas. And usually you don't feel it right away, just like a regular sunburn. You feel fine until the next day you wake up and you can't put a t-shirt on. Well, it's the same thing with your, with your eyes. You, this pain comes later. Um, sickle cell patients can also wind up with a retinopathy. Clinical presentation, painless vision loss or changes. Vision changes don't typically occur until late in these diseases, right? So we need to do routine eye exams uh, to pick this stuff up. So that's why diabetics get screened annually. Uh, type 1 diabetics get screened annually and type 2 diabetics get screened every 3 to 5 years uh, to keep an eye out for this because you're not going to get symptoms right away. Fundal exams for diabetics, you get you start with non-proliferative retinopathy and you move on to proliferative ret retinopathy. For non-proliferative non <laughs> retinopathy, you can get hemorrhages, exudates, and this is where you see the cotton wool spots. For proliferative, this develops after non-proliferative. You get neo-revascularization and significant edema. So those are the kind of things you're going to want to be able to pick out on your exam. Hypertension can also cause this. It causes a narrowing of the arteriolars, uh, the arteriolar narrowing. And then you also get arteriosclerosis, which is where all those terms come in, like copper wire, silver wire. Uh, those are sclerotic processes from secondary to the hypertension uh, in the eye. You can get atriovenous nicking and flame hemorrhages are the other terms that go along with this here. Treatment. Once again, we're going to be treating the underlying disorder, right? We're going to be treating the underlying disorder. So we're going to be treating the diabetes. We're going to be treating the hypertension, that sort of thing. Radiant energy burns. Um, that's going to be tough to treat. You can do some um, analgesics. But the reality is these patients are going to be need to also be referred to ophthalmology. And then our last one topic for today is going to be macular degeneration or age-related macular degeneration. Typically affects people older than 50. My grandfather had this, which unfortunately for him, but really helps me to remember that macular degeneration usually happens with older people. This begins with yellow deposits of debris called drusen into the macula. Drusen is just a term that is totally associated with this and comes up from time to time, so I would hold on to that one. The two types of macular degeneration are dry and wet. So dry is atrophic and wet is neovascular. And what happens is dry occurs first and then about 10 or 15% uh, go on to wet. Risk factors, like we said, age is a major one. Family history, which is maybe not so good for me. Smoking and hypertension. Clinical presentation, this is a, a painless loss of the central of central vision. So they lose that central vision. You also get a very characteristic wavy vision, metamorphopsia, right? We use the Amsler grid to, to uh, look for that. And an overall decrease in visual acuity, but it's that central vision loss with metamorphopsia. So you're going to test visual acuity. You're going to use your Amsler grid. Again, I think that, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only place I ever hear Amsler grid come up. So I would attach those together in my brain. And you may be able to see the Drusen deposits on, fun, on a uh, exam, fundal exam. 
and you see atrophy of the retina, so you get a loss of pigment in the retina. Treatment here is going to be laser photocoagulation, dietary supplements including vitamin A, C, E, B6, B12, zinc, copper, lutein, and omega-3 fatty acids can help once the damage begins. There's not a lot to do, but you can help prevent it or uh, kind of slow it down. And those vitamins have, have seemed to help. Wet macular de degeneration. Um, so you can get endothelial growth factor inhibitors injected right into the eye. And that can help slow that process down. Um, but that's really the extent of what we're, what we're talking about <laughs> for this. Um, so not a great situation there. All right, so that wraps up everything I wanted to talk about as far as content for this week. The, the next thing I wanted to cover this week was our study tip for today. And our study tip today is going to be how do you get started when you don't want to get started, <laughs> when you're miserable, on the days that you just don't want to do it, when it's rainy and cloudy, either outside or just in your brain, what's the best way to get something done when you need to get something done? Well, one great technique, and I've heard this from lots of places, is to start with the smallest possible effort. Because action breeds action, right? You have the whole inertia thing. Any effort in any direction will help to improve your mood and your action and continued action. So getting started on anything, when, when, when the, wow, that was a lot of wins. When you stop to complain about how much material you have to cover when you complain about how much there is to do and how you don't have enough time that sucks the energy right out of you and it stops you moving forward when you're not sure what to cover next and you sit there and you stare at everything and you're not sure what to do next that sucks the life out of you what you do to get through that is you keep moving you choose something and you work on that now I love the idea of starting with the absolute smallest possible thing you can do. So if, you're, if you are supposed to go out for a run and you really don't feel like it, going out for the run isn't where you start. You start by saying, okay, I'm going to put my socks on. I'm going to get dressed, right? You do the smallest thing. I get out of bed. I'm just going to get out of bed. And if I still feel like it, then I'll keep moving. And you'll find that you just keep moving forward. I was actually listening to someone the other day who was talking about literally start with wiggling your finger. Start with just moving your finger and then move your hand and then your arm and just move and step forward that way. Um, there's a book out there and I can't think of what it is where the author recommends uh, if you're, if you have a goal to start flossing your teeth, well, don't set your goal to floss your, your teeth. Let's make this super easy. So you can't not do it. Let's set a goal to floss one tooth because everybody can floss one tooth. Let's set a goal to do one push-up in the morning, right? And you can see how this can compound itself and it can get you moving and get you out of your chair, out of your bed and get you to actually just get started. And once you get started, everything always feels better, right? It's always, the hardest thing is always, always, always getting started. So if you can get that part down, the rest of it is so much easier. Anyway, if you, if uh, <laughs> hopefully that's helpful and let's move on and talk about our, uh, cover our answers for our priming questions. All right, so number one, optic neuritis is the number one presenting sign for what disease? Multiple sclerosis. I think I said it correctly that time. What is the hallmark symptom of retinal detachment? Sudden vision loss like a curtain coming down. 
And what area of vision is lost in macular degeneration? What area of vision is lost in macular degeneration? And it's that central vision loss. All right. Well, that about wraps us up for today. Super excited to get be moving through this material. Super excited for the March issue of the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars Newsletter. And I'm really excited about all the people who have been emailing me and telling me um, about all their successes. And again, we do definitely want to talk about failures and talk about what we can do to improve on those. And I don't want to dismiss that or leave those people out for sure. Please reach out to me and we can cover that stuff too. But I also do want to celebrate the people who have done well and who have passed um, and just be really, really excited for them and who and whose scores even on end of rotation exams are going up, on medicine exams are going up because they're doing new things. They're trying new things. They're not just doing bashing their heads against the wall, trying to do it the same way they've been doing it uh, since sixth grade because things are getting harder now, right? So you got to come up with some new ideas, some new ways of doing things. And like I said, that's exactly what we're covering uh, in the March issue of the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars Newsletter. So if you're interested in that, head on over to the website, sign up for the email list, and you will 100% uh, find your way to being able to get more information on the newsletter. Uh, and that'll wrap us up for this week. So until then, until uh, the next episode, take care, good luck, and let me know how you do on your exams. I always love to hear from you. Take care. Bye. Bye.